Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson. 1490 AM, 104.9 FM. I always love the conversations that are had off the air that you guys will never, ever know about. (laughs) Fun stuff to be had for sure. We had a great second hour. Look, we we had a first hour filled with um, look, I, there, there's some there's some things that are that are kind of eating at me right now in sports. I don't like the way Aaron Rodgers handled this situation, and I don't like the fact that the Green Bay Packers just completely presented themselves for him and let him have his way with them. It's just <laughs> I, I don't like any of it. It's promoting it, it's a, it's a bad look for both sides for both parties and and it's going to hopefully hopefully it doesn't but it's going to it may set a precedent for star players and how they can manipulate their football teams and and their uh their friends but it's going to it may set a precedent for star players and how they can manipulate their football teams and and their uh their franchises into getting what they want i i hope this is not sort of trend okay aaron Rodgers is is acting like a diva he has shown up today in his man bun, in his office T-shirt, in his sandals. And again, I don't care what the guy's wearing when he walks into the building. What's he wearing when he walks out of the building onto the field? Okay, that's, that's the more important thing. And I do believe this is all going to hurt the team. And we'll get into some of that. But first, we have to take care of some business here. i got to give away some tickets. Let's give away some tickets, Mary. What do you say? I'm going to give away a pair of tickets to go see the Tucson Sugar Skulls Take on the Northern Arizona Wranglers. We're going to do that right now. We're going to take the second caller at 520-719-1490. Second caller at 520-719-1490. You are going to win a pair of tickets to go see the Sugar Skulls and the Wranglers at Tucson Arena this Saturday, July 31st. Kickoff is at 6 p.m. Call now, and uh, we'll get you set up with that. And uh, we'll get you some tickets, and you can go have some fun. Take uh, take your uh, take your kid, take your significant other, or buy a couple other tickets, take your family. I'm sure that the Sugar Skulls will be able to accommodate whatever needs you may have. Now, before the break, we were talking about not only Simone Biles withdrawing from the Olympic team final. She, uh, she came out and made a statement. Um, she confirmed that it was not a physical injury that caused her to withdraw. She confirmed that it was something mentally, emotionally that was bothering her that, that made it so that she could no longer continue. Uh, she has informed everyone that she's okay. All right, so that's number one. That's obviously important. She's informed everyone that she's okay. Um, her sister, uh, Adria, she took to Twitter to let people know that her sister was okay as well. Um, and then <laughs> people, of course, started spitting their vitriol and then her sister clapped back, and things have gotten a little bit ugly. Regardless, um, Simone Biles is doing okay. I'm sure she's extremely embarrassed right now by everything that happened, um, and look, it, it was a disappointment for, uh, for the U.S. There's been a lot of disappointments for the U.S. so far in these Olympics. Spoiler alert coming if you're waiting to watch some things live. There's a spoiler alert ahead. Ding, 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 ding. Ready, be ready for that. Okay, spoiler alert. The women's softball team lost the gold medal final today to Japan just uh, just a little just a little bit ago. They were shut out by 
Japan two to nothing. After beating Japan in the previous game, uh, Japan shut them out today. The, the women's team, uh, the U.S. team, was not able to put any kind of offense together and unable to score a run. They did get a few runners on here and there, but weren't able to put anything really together. And uh, Japan claims gold. The women's U.S. women's softball team claims silver. So another disappointment for the uh, for the U.S. as it pertains to these Olympics. The U.S. women's national team soccer got into a draw, a scoreless draw. Uh, you know, they we what was it New Zealand? I think it was that they they got into a draw with. So not a oh, Australia, Australia. That's what it was. Australia, really not real close. Uh, but you know, scoreless draw with uh, with Australia, and again, things not going well for the U.S. women's national team. Australia is a team that they should beat. They, I mean, they should they should beat that team without even having to to really you know put together their their full fourth effort. It's just it's been it's been a real disappointment for a lot of the teams out there. Now there are some great things that are happening. Specifically, um, with some of the you know some of the people right right here in Tucson, all right, Delaney Schnell, who is a, a diver at University of Arizona. She went to t- Tucson High School. She's a Badger uh, from Tucson High School. She won a silver medal in the um, in the synchronized diving, ten meter synchronized diving. It's the first time that the U.S. team has ever medaled in synchronized diving ever. And Delaney Schnell bear down. Uh, brings home a silver medal. I, I jumped on her Instagram page really quick um, just to kind of check things out and see what she was saying. And I thought it was really cool because on her, uh, she hadn't even had a chance to update her her bio on Instagram. Her last Instagram post was basically like, here we go. This is the moment that I've been training for my whole life. Uh, you know, the, the, the 10 meter synchronized final is just a few hours away. I'm ready, you know. And then in her bio, it just says 2020 U.S. Uh, you know U.S. Tournament Championships gold medal winner, you know that kind of stuff. She hasn't even had a chance to put up their gold or silver medal Olympic Olympic silver medal winner, and uh, so so proud of uh, Delaney Schnell and uh, hometown hometown girl right there. Of course, as I mentioned, went to Tucson High School and a and a Wildcat. Also, a really cool story for a swimmer from Alaska, a 17 year old swimmer from Alaska who won a gold medal at these Olympics, and you're going to see the video. If you go on social media today at all, you're going to see the video of the people in her hometown and her high school cheering her on in some kind of a community center, uh, it looks like, watching the Olympics live as a group. And just the emphatic cheering that was going on, like that's the kind of stuff that we want from the Olympics. Like these are the types of reactions. Those are the types of videos we want to see. These are the stories that we want to hear coming out of the Olympics are, are you know, the people like the 17-year-old from Alaska with the entire town watching her in some community center jumping up and down and going nuts as she's winning the gold medal. We want to hear stories about home, you know, hometown heroes, homegrown heroes uh, from Tucson going 7,000 miles away to win a silver medal in a, in a competition that the U.S. has never even gotten a medal in in its history. You know, this, this is the kind of stuff that we want to hear about and read about. Unfortunately, there are some of the disappointing stories as well, including the U.S. men's basketball team who take on Iran later today. Now, this I believe they're favored by like 43 points in this game. They should beat Iran without even having to try. Uh, it should be a 30-point blowout plus no matter you know what happens 
really they could go out there five on four and probably still win that basketball game. Not to disrespect Iran, but they're not anywhere near the competitive level of the U.S. professionals team. Okay, but there's a real problem. They got the Czech Republic coming up before they leave the uh, the, the round robin preliminaries, and then they've got some real good teams coming up if they happen to survive Czech Republic. And there are there are inherent problems with this particular U.S. team and. People can talk about the inexperience all they want. This is no different. This is we've we've always experienced the inexperience of playing together at the Olympics, right? I mean, granted, there are in the past certain teams that had players that had played in previous Olympics before, but it's not like those Olympics happened f- four months ago that they were practicing six months together, played four months, took four months off four years in between, it's not like you just kind of like, oh, yeah, just have our old chemistry back. Some of those guys have aged and their game has changed and some things have gone differently and they've changed coaches and whatnot. Look, this is not I – don't, I don't accept the argument of, well, you know, uh, you know, Damian Lillard and Kevin Durant have never played together before or whatever. I, 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 don't, I don't accept that argument because you can make that argument about every team every year – uh, for the for the U.S. team at least, because they're, the the international teams, a lot of those guys play together for years on end, all all season long, all year long. Um, but for the for the U.S. team, obviously in the NBA, they're not playing together, and it's four years separated from when they do get into Olympic competition. The problem with this team is is number well number one, they're they they're relying too heavily on their individual talent to get them through. They're not playing as a team. That's what I saw, and the defense was terrible. Even though I know they only gave up, gave up 83 points to France, but France also shot like 48% from the field. Like They, they were scoring at most of the opportunities that they had. They were out-rebounded. They were out-hustled. They had way too many turnovers. They're playing as individuals. They're not playing as a team. Now, previously, and, and I, I agree with the – with the, the the strategy of previous regimes, okay? Mike Krzyzewski, when he was running the U.S. Olympic team, when he was coaching the U.S. Olympic team, basically said, we don't have the practice time to put in plays to get guys. Look, it takes time. The, the, basketball is not just throw, you know, flow freely and just find an open spot and shoot the ball. It is much more complicated than people give it credit for. It truly is, Okay. So you don't have time to instill the half-court offense because you just don't you don't have enough practice time to do it. So in previous iterations of the men's basketball team, it was basically like play defensive ball pressure, try to get as many turnovers as you can, use your athleticism to get in the open court, and score in transition as often as you can. We need to make sure that we don't get caught in a half-court game because if we get into a half-court game with these international teams that have been playing together for years, we're going to get smoked, Okay. So they used their athleticism to play out in the wide open. And when you watched U.S. basketball over the last several uh, Olympic games, that's exactly what they did. They used their defense to pressure the ball, get out into running situations and score, score in transition, and then they would just play admirable enough defense in the half court against these teams that would set up and, and do well enough to, you know, to win the games. Obviously, they did. They won games by 50 and 60 points at times. Okay? You can't do that anymore because – when you look at the other team, the players on that team are also NBA players, and a lot of them. The, 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 the overseas influence has become great 
in the NBA. It's become it's becoming even greater at the college level. Look at what Arizona's doing right now. University of Arizona, of course, with Tommy Lloyd, and it started a couple years ago with Sean Miller, Jack Murphy, uh, a great recruiter of European players. Okay, Tommy Lloyd comes in. He's a guy that's been recruiting European players for 15, 20 years in in Spokane. And now he comes to Tucson, and you look at the team now, there's eight players on this roster that are not from the United States. Eight. It's a lot. More than we've ever had, right? And as the PA announcer, I just hope that it's not too difficult on my pronunciations. I did pretty well last year. I did okay. did admirable, put it that way. Uh, also, by the way, speaking of Tommy Lloyd, if you are lucky enough or, or you know, care enough to have a subscription to The Athletic, first of all, I highly recommend it. It's, uh, it's the best pay, paywall website out there as far as uh, the writers that they have and the stories that they come up with. It's, it's endless. I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding. It's endless stories. I could, I could read The Athletic for 20 hours a day. Not even kidding. There is a great story from Seth Davis. Seth Davis, of course, a, a very highly regarded, well-respected member of the media as it pertains to college basketball, wrote a really lengthy story on Tommy Lloyd that published today, published this morning on The Athletic just a few hours ago. I got a chance to read most of it before the show. If you want to know more about Tommy Lloyd and you have a subscription to The Athletic, I highly, highly recommend checking it out. It talks about his time playing basketball in Australia at the age of 23 and having to, you know, be a coach at a high school in Australia so that he could have beer money. And the it basically came to him one day that he was so passionate about winning and losing those high school games, he was more passionate about those than he was the team that he was playing for, the, 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 what he calls the low-level semi-professional team that he played for in Australia. He was more passionate about winning those high school games at that little high school that he was coaching, uh, coaching at than he was in the games that he was playing. And that's when he realized, I'm more about coaching than I am playing this game, and I need to be a better coach. And that's when it all started to align for him. It's a great article. It is a huge, huge article. I'm not kidding. It's like 19 paragraphs. It's huge. Okay. But well worth the read. If you get a chance, um, check it out. I have not had a chance to meet Coach Lloyd yet. I am very much looking forward to, uh, to meeting with him and getting to know the man that is the new head basketball coach at Arizona. Very, very excited about that and uh, looking forward to, to meeting with the coach. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to meeting with, with Coach Fish. I haven't had a chance to meet him. I wasn't really allowed to talk to Coach Sumlin. Um, <laughs> so so uh, hopefully with all this uh, new openness at Arizona football, I'll get a chance to uh, shake Coach Fish's hand, thank him for the job that he's done so far, uh, arriving at Arizona and putting us on the map in the, in the short amount of time that he's been there, bringing in the recruits and actually giving a damn about the program. Thanks to D'Angelo Riley. Congratulations, D'Angelo. You have won the Sugar Skulls tickets for this Saturday. Nicely done. Uh, D'Angelo was the uh, the second caller that we had and therefore got themselves some tickets to go see the Sugar Skulls take on the Northern Arizona Wranglers this Saturday down in Tucson. Enjoy the game, and thank you for listening. We greatly appreciate it here at the Jeff Dean Show. Um, okay, so, pl- look, plenty of meat on this bone today, Okay. I started to talk about the media at Pac-12 Media Day. The the Twitter uh, response to my question has turned into a 
media morality situation? Are they doing their job? Are they just being uh, jerks about it? Are they just trying to elicit a response, uh, a reaction, as opposed to an answer? Now, forgive me if I'm wrong, and maybe I'm old school, maybe I'm curmudgeonly, maybe I'm the get-off-my-lawn kind of media guy because I've been doing it for so long and I've been covering sports as long as I have. And, and look, I haven't been covering sports half as long as a lot of the people that, that uh, are my influences. And I, I believe that they would back me up on this as well. But the media today has become a, a practice in asking questions that will elicit a reaction from its target as opposed to asking questions that will gather answers, that will create an answer from its target. I mean, the media is there to inform us, correct? That is their job. Their job is to inform the public, inform the fans, inform the people about the news that is going on in whatever uh, whatever avenue they, be, they, they tend to follow, whether it be sports or politics or entertainment, okay? any of, those, any, any of the, the topics that are out there, any of the avenues. The media's job is to inform us of the news that is happening, okay? If you go to Pac-12 Media Day and you're the seventh person to ask Herm Edwards about the impending NCAA investigation, you are a problem. As are the person who asked it the sixth time, the fifth time, the fourth time, the third time, and the second time. You are the problem. You are wasting people's time. You are wasting our oxygen. I am so sick and tired of the media just trying to get a reaction from people so that they can put a headline on Twitter and sell it as news. People do not read the stories anymore. A lot of people don't have time to read the stories. Maybe that's why I don't have time for anything else. Like People ask me, like, how come you don't watch TV? And I'm like, well, I do watch TV. I just watch sports. If it's on, I'm watching sports because that's, it's my job. It's my hobby also. I love watching sports. I take it all in. But I spend a lot of my day reading news stories, finding out information on people, talking to people in the in the communities, talking to people nationally. Hey, did you hear about this? What can you tell me about this? Nothing? Okay, cool. If you find out anything, let me know. Drop me a dime. I got you. Okay? Uh, and I read the stories. Most people today go on Twitter, they read a headline and accept it as news, whereas if you actually read the story behind the headline, you're like, well, the headline didn't make any sense. Like, that's, it was irresponsible of them to put that headline out there because it had very little to do with everything in the story. I can't even tell you how often that happens. It happens so often. Now, I will say this before we, uh, before we go to break. I mentioned in hour number one that OU in Texas had notified the Big 12 that they were going to be getting out of their agreement for the 2025, 2000, 2025 uh, media agreement, and that the news was that they would be meeting with the SEC on Friday, or by Friday, I believe was the, uh, was the term, uh, about membership in the SEC. Well, Heather Dinich, who is just about as dialed in as anyone, her and, uh, and, and uh, McMurphy, who I also follow, uh, those are two of the uh, – Brett McMurphy and Heather Dennis, two of the most dialed-in people in college football. They have the best information, and it's usually spot on. Uh, both of them have now reported 
that Oklahoma and Texas have formally notified the SEC that they are seeking an invitation for membership. The SEC will essentially uh, look at their I, – I don't even know what they're, what they're going to look at the SEC. It's like, okay, we got Oklahoma and Texas uh, asking for an invitation into the conference. Um, I guess uh, show us your driver's license. Is that, is that good? Do you have a bus pass? We'll just, we'll just accept that. That'll be fine. Of course they're going to allow Texas and OU into the conference. They're the ones that invited them there in the first place. <laughs> of course they're going to let them in. Why wouldn't they? going to make them a ton of money. So, look, this is all happening fast, folks. Everything is happening faster than people have been predicting, which is why I continue to stick to my guns that OU and Texas are going to play an SEC schedule this year. It's going to happen. With school just around the corner, we want to help you and the student in your life get the supplies that they need to succeed. Here at ESPN Tucson, we're giving you the chance to win a $1,500 back-to-school shopping spree. Yes. You can register at ESPNTucson.com. Just follow the links, and you can get there, and you can do it every day. You can register once per day through August 9th. Get yourself that chance at a $1,500 back-to-school shopping spree. Back after this, it's the Jeff Dean Show here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. ESPN Tucson Traffic from the Casino del Sol, the soul of Tucson Traffic Center. There's a report of a hazard in the roadway at Broadway and Pantano. The interstates are clear and moving at typical speeds. Closures are still in place from flooding at Overton, east of La Choya to Virchway, Avra Valley between Trico and El Paso Gas Road, Sandario, west of Desert Oasis Trail, and Mission, south of Drexel. Howdy, I'm Jerry Simmons, inviting you to join me and my guest each Saturday morning, 6 a.m., for the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show right here on ESPN 1490 a.m. or 104.9 FM. Join ESPN Tucson every Wednesday afternoon at 3.30 for the Tucson Sugar Skulls Coaches Show, featuring the head coach of the Sugar Skulls, Dixie Wooten. The Tucson Sugar Skulls Coaches Show on ESPN Tucson is presented by O'Reilly Chevrolet. Lotus cares. The uniqueness of each person with autism makes the experience of living with autism different for each family. The Autism Society of Southern Arizona is here to walk that journey with you. They are here to listen and help you navigate local autism resources for a diagnosis, understand therapy options, get school support, identify providers, and provide next steps. The virtual-only programs and training expand their opportunity to connect with you at home. To learn more and register for programs, please visit as-az.org. When you're living with low vision, life can be a challenge. If you're 55 or older and your world has gotten smaller because of vision loss, it's time to be bold. Go to timetobebold.org for a list of services in your state that will give you the tools, technology, training, and support you need to live your bold, best life. Help is here. Join others who found a bright, bold future. Go to timetobebold.org today. Some may see a sprinter. At the NFHS, we see a future leader already off to the races. Some may see a volleyball player. Good hit! Way to go, girl! At the NFHS, we see a spike in confidence that will help her achieve her potential. What else do we see? Musicians learning to march to their own beat. We're the NFHS. 
the national leader and advocate for high school athletics and activities in America, helping today's teenagers develop the skills they need to become tomorrow's leaders. And we see it happening in communities across Arizona every single day. Learn more about the NFHS commitment to youth at NFHS.org. This message presented by the NFHS, the National Federation of State High School Associations. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control. And priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. The new Pac-12 commissioner, George Klyavkov, is speaking at Pac-12 Media Day right now. I'm going to have to paraphrase and take quotes from people who are covering the event because I cannot watch it live as we don't want to be listening to my TV bleed over the microphone. Dennis Dodd says that new Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyavkov at his State of the Conference address today said, quote, we believe our media rights will be even more valuable if there is further FBS consolidation. He further stated that we believe the move by Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC strengthens our position as the only conference with teams in the Pacific and Mountain Time Zones. This is something we discussed last week, right? How this is actually good for the Pac-12. It makes the Pac-12 even that much more enticing because if the Big 12 is dissolved and those teams aren't able to get uh, gobbled up into a super conference, okay, they're going to be scattered throughout. They're going to have to find ways. This is going to give the Pac-12 even more traction. Uh, there's there's going to be a cry for something other than just SEC football, right? There's The Big Ten is always going to be a constant. We know that. They're extremely regional, okay? And they've become popular, of course, out here in the West because of people moving from the Midwest where it's cold out here to the sunshine of Arizona. So teams like Michigan, Ohio State will continue to get traction here and Nebraska. Mary. Found out earlier Mary's a Nebraskan, a corn husker, if you will. We'll we'll continue to discuss that, of course, as the season goes on, because Nebraska always a uh, uh, a meter jumper here in the state of Arizona. Lots of people from Nebraska, lots of big red fans here. We'll uh, we'll talk about that throughout the season. So it's gonna be it, it's gonna be good for the Pac twelve that all this is happening. George Klyevkov also said, quote, We don't think that the expansion is required. We don't think expansion is required to continue to compete and thrive. We've already had significant inbound interest from many schools. 
says it's not necessary, but he wouldn't rule out the possibility of expansion here in the Pac-12. But the belief is amongst the commissioner and the people in the Pac-12 that the consolidation of big teams into other conferences is only going to help the Pac-12. Uh, Brian Jeffries reporting that uh, schools, many schools have made inquiries about joining the, the Pac-12. That's interesting. It'll be uh, interesting to see if we can get a list of schools that possibly reached out, if, if there is a list of schools or any names are named. Uh, obviously, you want to be careful with situations like that. Um, I don't know if BYU had been one of them. I know they're making pretty good money being independent, and it appears that they seem to be pretty happy with their current football situation. But if the super conferences continue, the independents will be left out and uh, kind of on the outside looking in. So maybe BYU looking to get in somewhere. They wouldn't get into the Pac-12, I can tell you that much right now. It would, it would not happen. Pac-12 is going to be very selective if they do excite, uh, decide to expand. Uh, that they would be very selective. I think, and, and it's it's something, look, we talked about it on Friday, okay, and it's being talked about nationally now because naturally the discussion is starting to swell. People are starting to broaden their their ideas, their thoughts. It's, it's no longer becoming the myopic, what does the SEC look like, what does the SEC look like. Now people are broadening, what does the Big Ten look like, what does the ACC look like, and eventually what does the Pac-12 look like because of this. And we talked about it on Friday. There's a possibility and I think it would behoove the Pac-12 to discuss some things with the Big Ten. They have a longstanding history with the Big Ten, of course, because of the connection to the Rose Bowl. That's very obvious. But I think the connections, as I mentioned, uh, span further than that. There are a lot of people, fans of the Big Ten schools, that have moved here to the West Coast, whether it be to California or to Arizona because of the weather and the climate and such like that. I know I, I can't even count how many people from Big Ten schools that live out here, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Michigan, Indiana, Illinois. I mean, name every school. You go down the list of every school, as a, aside from, like, Maryland and Rutgers, I, pretty, I, can, I can tell you I know at least three people who graduated from that school that now live here. And that's just on my little scope of people that I have. So I think it would behoove the Pac-12 to at least discuss something, some kind of a partnership with the Big Ten. Maybe they do a shared schedule where the, you know, kind of like they do in basketball, which I love, and I would love the Pac-12 to do something like this in basketball too, where, you know, they have a Big Ten ACC, right? They have their big matchup where they play an entire week of games um, where they, 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 they've slotted. They say, okay, well, okay, North Carolina's going to be one of the best teams in the ACC, and Ohio State's going to be one of the best teams in the Big Ten, so we'll have them play. It'll be an even matchup. And then, you know, like Vanderbilt will play, you know, whomever, Rutgers, whatever. Or not Vanderbilt, uh, Duke. Duke, well, Duke's great. I, I'm, anyway, I'm just spouting here. But I think in, the, in football, I think it would behoove both conferences to say, all right, look, we're going to do this little cross-conference thing um, we're going to find a way to share some of the media wealth that's going to come about because if Oregon plays Ohio State this year, let's say, in, uh, you know, in the horseshoe, and uh, Michigan comes out to L.A., out to the Coliseum to play USC, 
and UCLA goes and plays Wisconsin. Okay, Washington uh, hosts, you know, whomever, Minnesota, Nebraska, whatever. Uh, you know, Arizona is going to play uh, Maryland. Okay, all these, you know, all these types of, of matchups. I think are, are it, would, it would be football fans are we're dying for new opponents, right? Arizona fans are always like, who's on the non-con? Who's on the non-con? They get that asked all the time. Who are we playing in 2027? We're playing Mississippi State in 2020. Oh, okay, great. Perfect. We get to play an SEC school. That'll be fun. We have never seen Mississippi State before. I remember the excitement when it was announced that we were going to do the home-and-home with Oklahoma State. People were all super excited about that. I was. So I think some type of a partnership in some way would behoove both entities uh, if they if they wanted to uh, move forward with some type of something. They're, they're not going to blend. They're not going to add each other into their regular schedules. But if we could do one non-con game a year against a Big Ten foe, uh, I think that would be great. Obviously, if the Big Ten is the 14 teams or 16 teams, that's going to leave a few teams out. So the Pac-12 will have to figure that out. But, uh, again, look, this is big-time college football. There's smart enough people there that are motivated by enough money that people will get it figured out. Join ESPN Tucson this Thursday, July 29th from 3 to 6 p.m. at the Firetruck Brewing Company to celebrate National Chicken Wing Day. We're going to be broadcasting live. Spears and Ali will be broadcasting live. Sick invite, bro. Thank you for the invite. I would have loved to be there at Truck Brewing Company, a fireman-owned establishment that has uh, plenty of firehouse-approved recipes on their menu, and enjoy an ice-cold uh, beer and some hot wings at the Fire Truck Brewing Company. But alas, I'll be on the outside looking in, much like the remaining eight teams in the Big 12. But you don't have to be that way. You can go join them this Thursday, uh, July 29th from 3 to 6 p.m. Go check them out at the Fire Truck Brewing Company. Have a beer, have some wings. Say hi to Spears and Ali and enjoy the live broadcast. Get some ESPN Tucson swag and enjoy your day. When we return, we'll continue to talk some NFL. As training camps open today, the Arizona Cardinals have had some eh, interesting, uh, interesting things develop over the last few days. We'll talk about what to expect from Cardinal camp coming up next. It's the Jeff Dean Show here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Speaking of Big 12, or uh, Big 12, you have Big 12 on the screen in front of me and other things on my phone right here in front of me. At Pac-12 Media Day, George Klyavkov, the new commissioner, says a potential scheduling, scheduling alliance with another conference is, quote, an interesting opportunity that is under discussion. Okay, pretty open stance right there. I think it's it's responsible enough of him to say, look, it, it is interesting and it's something we have been discussing, meaning that there's not a whole lot of traction right now. This is all very brand new, and I have bigger fish to fry, such as a TV deal that is going to distribute the Pac-12 to more eyeballs. Klyavkov said, quote, I wish our TV distribution was better, but there's not much we can do about it for 2021, and unfortunately we're going to have to wait until 2024 to renegotiate any deals. And he's right, and you can tell he is bummed, as bummed as can be about that. So um, 
Yeah, Klyevkov continues to speak, and uh, we'll have some more. And, of course, Spears and Ali will have a big wrap-up today of what happened at Pac-12 Media Day. Of course, they're going to have a lot of information by then. We, we have nothing right now. I'm, I'm going literally as stuff is coming across. I'm just kind of relaying it to you as breaking quotes, essentially, coming out of, of uh, Pac-12 Media Day from the commish. And uh, at least at least I haven't read anything yet that has him grandstanding about what a great position the Pac-12 is in, uh, like Larry Scott used to do every single stinking year and just blow smoke up people's rear ends and everyone in the room are rolling their eyes because they knew it was just a bunch of petty, ridiculous BS. And, well, it, it became just flat-out lies. I mean, at some point. I mean, it just became a situation where he was just lying to the people, which how, how the three presidents, three of the 12 presidents in this conference continued to back that oath is is a it's it's ridiculous uh it's 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 sad that it took this long to get him out of there but nonetheless we're thankful to move forward with someone new at the helm and hopefully he gets it and is able to do some things with it now the Arizona Cardinals earlier that we talked about yesterday I believe it was Chandler Jones had requested a trade from the Cardinals he's unhappy with his situation in in Arizona okay um, coming off an injury season, but still one of the better pass rushers in the NFL. One of the certainly one of the top ten in the NFL, maybe even approaching top five when he's healthy. And, and we'll wait to see what happens after his uh, his complete biceps tear from last season. How well that mended. So looking at Cardinal camp right now, there's some there's some trouble. Okay, uh, we talked about Jordan Hicks, how unhappy he is because. Basically, Steve Keim came out after the draft and said Zayvon Collins is going to be our new linebacker, and that did not sit well with uh, you know with Jordan Hicks. Obviously, um, said that you know before even getting on the field that that Zayvon Collins is going to take his spot. So Jordan Hicks had requested a trade. So the linebacker position not very happy right now, especially an outside linebacker where Jordan Hicks has requested a trade, Chandler Jones has requested a trade, and now Patrick Peterson who is long gone and in Minnesota preparing for his season with the Vikings, at least you would think so, decided to clap back at the Cardinals organization today or yesterday. I, I don't know exactly when the tweet came out, probably yesterday. Um, basically stating that the Cardinals organization is a joke. They don't pay their defensive players, and he doesn't blame Jordan Hicks and Chandler Jones for being upset with their situations. This, of course, coming from a player who was paid $94 million to play for the Arizona Cardinals, given a lot of money. And when he signed his extension, he was the highest paid corner in the league. And it was, granted, it was for a sh- very short amount of time, as there was kind of a run on big-time corner contracts that season. But for a, for a moment, he was the highest-paid player, highest-paid corner in the NFL. Cardinals gave him a lot of money. And... I, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to remember. Okay, this is uh, just going off the top of my head here. I believe he made somewhere around twelve and a half million for the Cardinals last year, and he signed a deal that's going to make him eight million with Minnesota this year. Now, I, again, my Mesa Public Schools math may not be serving me correctly here, but that sounds like a pretty sizable difference. Uh, about four to four and a half million dollars. Take that out of twelve. That's a 
decrease in pay to go play for Minnesota from a guy who said that this is an organization that doesn't pay its defensive players who re-upped Buda Baker to make him a ton of money, who have given money to defensive players time and time again. Many people would complain that they haven't given enough to the, to the offensive side of the ball. Many people would argue that. I would agree because the statistics don't lie. Currently on the Arizona Cardinals roster of the 10 highest paid players, seven of them play on the defensive side of the ball. So Patrick Peterson can go fly a kite for all I care. Okay, He was a malcontent, underperform, underperforming player while he was here for his last year and a half, essentially, with the Cardinals. Played a lot of, of, uh, of downs where he didn't give a damn, and I got no time for people like that. I'm not even a Cardinal fan. I don't got time for people who don't play. You know, you don't, you don't want to go out there and give it your best, and then you want to talk smack about the football team like it's their fault. Be gone. I don't want to hear from you again. Goodbye. So let's talk about some of the, 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 the issues with the Arizona Cardinals as they get ready to break camp or open camp today. Okay? Um, they're reporting to camp in Tempe, and then the, the, some of the practices will be obviously moved to Glendale, and they'll have an open practice and stuff for fans and things like that. They can come see it. Uh, it's coming up. I don't remember what the exact date is. I'll let you guys know. Quarterback, they're looking right now. Kyler Murray, of course, QB1. Colt McCoy is going to be his backup. Um, it's good to have an experienced backup. They're going to go into this season probably with two QBs because they need they need that third spot. It's, that third spot is going to be very valuable for other positions, mainly line, uh, offensive line, as they've had some trouble, troubles keeping guys healthy over the last few years. Running back. There's going to be a spot for, uh, you know, a competition for, for RB1, whether it be Chase Edmonds or James Conner. They've also got Eno Benjamin, of course, from Arizona State, uh, who is on the roster right now. He's going to be competing for a spot. They'll probably keep three running backs. Wide receiver, a lot of depth, okay? DeAndre Hopkins, they bring in A.J. Green in the offseason. They've got Andy Isabella, who they like a lot. Christian Kirk, of course, a very electric player from Saguaro High School and, uh, of course, has played his entire life of football here in the state of Arizona, basically. Um, and then they've got a few other guys that are going to be working out, Rondell Moore, uh, for that fourth and fifth wide receiver spot. Uh, tight end, again, this continues to be an issue for the Arizona Cardinals. They, they haven't had a good tight end. Even when they've signed guys that are good tight ends, they haven't panned out over the last, I don't know, 20, 25 years. Um, so there's, you know, it's going to be thin at tight end, and they're just going to have to deal with that. Offensive line, it, it, it's it's they're going to try to piece it together as best they can. They added Rodney Hudson in the offseason, which is a, a huge addition for them. They needed an anchor at center. They went ahead and got that. Um, obviously, he's going to be the starting center. D.J. Humphreys at left tackle. And then after that, they're going to have a lot of competitions between, like especially the interior guys like Brian Winters and Justin Pugh. Uh, they're going to have some, some, uh, some competition there. So be on the lookout for that. Defensive line, uh, I mean, whatever. J.J. Watt was added in the offseason, of course. I'll wait to see what happens with his play count, what, what situations he's on the field for, because remember, this is a guy who hasn't played all 16 games in an NFL season in four consecutive years. Linebacker, okay, they've got some real talent there. As I mentioned, Chandler Jones, Jordan Hicks, great talents. Malcontent. I mean, they're, they're, they're not, I shouldn't say malcontents. They're not happy with their current situation, rightfully so. Isaiah Simmons, 
great talent, still learning, okay, but I, I think he's going to be an excellent player in this league. I love uh, watching Isaiah Simmons play. He's the Swiss Army knife of, of a defense. He can do it all. Uh, Devin Kennard, Marcus Golden, um, all good players and all deserve positions on this team. So there's a log jam at linebacker right now. They're going to figure out what they're going to do there. And the defensive back, um, of course, as I mentioned, Patrick Peterson on his way to Minnesota. So your corners going into camp right now are Malcolm Butler. He's going to be CB1 or whatever scheme they're going to run uh, as, as far as that goes. You've got Byron Murphy, Darquez Gennard, uh, Robert Alford, and a few other guys that are going to be competing. Um, I'm not exactly sure you know, how good they're going to be. Um, the safety position is pretty good. Buda Baker, of course, we all know what he can do. Uh, Chris Banjo is a pretty good player, um, and they need him around also for special teams. And then at, uh, at special teams, they got Matt Prater, who's going to be kicking. Andy Lee, who's been in the league forever, is going to be punting. Um, so look, that's, that's kind of the gist of it. I don't know if, if anything's really going to come out. Obviously, the, the, you know, the, the, the marquee positions right now for the Cardinals, wide receiver, they're very, very talented there. They're very talented at linebacker. And they've got some talent at running back that I, that I think you know. And I, I'm a big James Conner fan, by the way. So uh, I think they they'll they'll be able to uh, uh, to to hand the ball off effectively to a couple of different guys. And of course, Kyler Murray running around out there like a madman from the quarterback position. So that's your Cardinal report early. We'll get some information uh, throughout the day on them. We'll uh, put together some stuff. We'll have some more things for you tomorrow morning. When we return, we'll put a big, bright red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. You're listening here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Look, before we get out of here, I would like to suggest something to those that are out there trying to rework the Pac-12 conference as best they can. I've read the tweets. I've read the stories. I've heard the callers on Sports Talk Radio, whether it be here locally or all across the country, uh, even on places like the Paul Feinbaum show, people talking about the Pac-12. What does the Pac-12 do? Let's let's not focus on how the Pac-12 can expand, okay? Because the problem with the, with the Pac-12 is not expansion. The problem with the the Pac-12 is not that we don't have enough teams and enough member schools in this conference. The problems start from within. We need to better each of the schools and each of the programs within the Pac-12 before we can even begin to broach this, the, the topic, the subject, of adding more schools to the conference. Adding more schools does not make the Pac-12 better. It makes it thinner. It makes... The revenue sharing, thinner, because there are not big enough fish out there, and not jet fish, I'm talking about schools. There are not big enough fish out there to increase the wealth of the Pac-12 enough to where it would make sense to add them to the conference. Oklahoma State does not bring a big enough slice of media revenue to make the pie pieces bigger for everyone to share. And certainly that would only give you 13 if you're talking about 14, even going up to 16, now you're really going to have to dig down deep and take much, much smaller schools that bring even less money to the table. The Pac-12 is fine 
as a 12-member conference. What they need to concentrate on is being better within and eventually getting that, con- that, that product out to more eyeballs, which is what Commissioner George Klyavkov was brought here to do, to find inventive ways that we can weather the storm before we get to 2024 and can renegotiate the Pac-12 network media deal. The Pac-12 conference is doing fine with its 12. They just need to be better. And when the Pac-12 does improve, and I do believe that they will, recruiting is up across the Pac-12. Now, the SEC will continue to dominate, especially with the additions of Texas and OU, You'll see 10 SEC schools amongst the top 15 recruiting uh, schools in football. You're going to see it every year, and that's going to continue to happen. And the SEC is going to begin to churn out or continue to churn out ridiculous numbers in the NFL draft and break all kinds of records. And there's going to be a lot of NFL players on those teams. But that doesn't mean that the Pac-12 cannot compete at a national level with the SEC. They most certainly can, but they have to be better. They have to build from within. And it starts by eliminating the thought process that we can just we need to start adding teams. So get that out of your heads, okay? If you're listening to this show, don't be one of those people that contributes to the, well, if we had Oklahoma State and Texas Tech, that gives us region. And, no, stop it. It's over. It's done with. We don't need them. They don't bring anything to the conference that would do us any good anyways. All right, that's going to wrap it up for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to D'Angelo Riley for listening and winning those Tucson Sugar Skulls tickets. And, of course, thanks to Mary behind the glass for pushing all the right buttons and keeping us on the air. And thanks to you, the fans, for listening. Don't forget to check out Spears and Ali today, and I'll see you guys tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. right here on the Jeff Dean Show at 1490 a.m., 104.9 FM, ESPN, Tucson. Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. 1490 KFFN AM Tucson, KMXC HD4 Tucson.